0: it's chapter 13, and it's on page 256 in the Pew Bibles. It's about the birth of Samson. Again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was sterile And remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, "You are sterile and childless, but you are going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean, because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head, because the boy is to be a Nazarite." Set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, A man of God came to see me. He looked like an angel of God, very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, You will conceive and give birth to a son. Now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink and do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from birth until the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, I beg you, let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. God heard Manoah and the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field, but her husband, Manoah, was not with her. The woman hurried to tell her husband, "'He's here, the man who appeared to me the other day.' Manoah got up and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said, "'Are you the one who talked to my wife?' "'I am,' he said. So Manoah asked him, "'When your words are fulfilled, "'what is to be the rule for the boy's life and work?' The angel of the Lord answered, Your wife must do all that I have told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink any wine or other fermented drink, nor eat anything unclean. She must do everything I have commanded her. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, We would like you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord replied, Even though you... Detain me, I will not eat any of your food, but if you prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. Manoah did not realize that it was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, What is your name, so that we may honor you when your word comes true? He replied, Why do you ask my name? Is it, it is beyond understanding." Then Manoah took a young goat, together with the grain offering, and sacrificed it on a rock to the Lord. And the Lord did an amazing thing while Manoah and his wife watched. As the flame blazed up from the altar towards heaven, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Seeing this, Manoah and his wife fell with their faces to the ground. When the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord. We are doomed to die, he said to his wife. We have seen God. But his wife answered, If the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and grain offering from our hands, nor shown us all these things, or now told us this. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahanadan between Zora and is This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: I wonder if you ever feel like you're going round and round the same things. Right, ever have that experience day by day? Week by week, month by month, year by year, the same things come and go, and we see them again and again. They keep coming back around. We feel like things don't change sometimes. We get this sense of déjà vu. I feel like I've been here before. It's the same as it was last time. Sometimes it can be a good thing. It's good things, good habits, we do again and again, and we enjoy them, and that's good. We, we can have those things, but there can be bad things too that keep coming around. We are going, what? how am I here again? How has this come around Again. And Judges is one of those books that keeps going round in a cycle. See, what happens is the people have been given the land, they're in the land that God has given them, but they turn away from God. We get that in our passage in verse 1. Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so when they do that again and again, they get handed over to an enemy. An enemy comes and oppresses them in some way. They've through the chapters coming up to where we are now they've been oppressed by moab and the canaanites midianites amorites and now the philistines and this happens for a number of years there's a period of time where they're being oppressed by these people and eventually they cry out to the lord so they start off they turn away from the lord they do evil in sight then they eventually they turn back to the lord they cry out for mercy and the merciful god that we have sends them someone a judge to help them out, to deliver them. Someone who has the spirit of the Lord, who delivers them in various ways, these different people that come, these characters that we read about in this book. And they bring peace to the people for a period of time. And then the judge dies, and the people turn away from God and do evil in the eyes of the Lord. And we on one repeat. We go round and round. But it's not just going round and round. Unfortunately... There's, there's more to it than that, because it's not just going round in a static way. It go round and round, and it spirals down and, and, and gets worse and worse. The people do worse things each time round. The judges are less good and are less good at bringing the people back to God time after time. And so as this repeating cycle goes on, people spiral away from God. They they don't really seem to repent and come back to him. And it, 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 it's it's not a good place to be. This place we've come to in the book of Judges is not a good place. And we can see that sometimes ourselves. It's a familiar feeling sometimes. We can see it in the world around us, in other people sometimes. We can see that someone's made a decision at some point and it's taken them away from God. And then that decision leads to another one and another one and things spiral away and people end up moving further and further away from God. They, they sin and then their conscience is seared, and that sin that they've committed doesn't really feel like a problem anymore. And so they sin in a more extreme way or in increasing ways. We see it in our society a society that is based on Christian foundations but increasingly turns away from them and more and more away. And people feel like they need to transgress further and further to be seen to be doing it. People enjoy the sin that they enter into more and more. We see it around us all the time. Sadly, we see it in the church. We see it in the church in lots of places, in lots of people, where people have turned away from God and God's truth and God's word. And as they do that, they harden their hearts and they move away and further and further away. We can see it in ourselves, if we're honest. It's not something we're immune to. It's not something that we can just say, oh, no, that's for other people. We're all susceptible to sinning, to moving further away from God, from saying, oh, it doesn't really matter, and letting us take this downward spiral. We're all susceptible. We need to pay attention to how it works, how it leads us away from God. And where we are in Judges, we're sort of towards the bottom of the spiral. Things have been getting bad, bad, worse, worse for a long time. And we end up with Samson. Things will get worse, unfortunately, but Samson is towards the bottom of the Of the spiral. See the people have turned away from God. They've done evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines. That's in verse 1. For 40 years. That's a long time. To be in the hands of God. It's a long time to have turned away from God. We read through these passages in the Bible. And we think. We we sort of read them in, in five minutes. And we think. Oh didn't remember. 40 years. That can be how long it takes. For things to start getting better. And even then things don't necessarily get a lot better. 40 years is a long time and in this time whereas people have previously they've cried out to the lord for mercy they don't they've got to that point where they've been they've been oppressed by a foreign power for 40 years and they don't cry out to god they seem to not really care they seem to be apathetic to their situation it's just there It's, it's it's the status quo it's what it is they don't cry out to god for help They've forgotten God. They've turned away from him so far. They've moved so far down the spiral. They don't cry out for help. It's not a good place to be. That's where they are. But God has not changed. God is the same and God is merciful. And so he sends a judge anyway. He wants to help his people turn back, come back to him. And so he sends a judge. And this time he doesn't raise someone up from within the people. He speaks to their parents and send someone from birth. You notice they're sending someone from birth. They've already had 40 years. They've got to wait for someone to be born and grow up again now. It's taking even longer. This situation is taking a long time. And so we have this birth narrative of Samson, this visitation that's there. And it feels familiar, right? We have these birth narrative stories that come up over and over in the Bible. They vary a little bit, but usually it's something like a, a, a pious, barren woman longs to have a child but can't and is hurting and praying to God and then receives a divine message, revelation, visitation of some sort and there's a message that it, you, you will have a child and it will be a special child with a special destiny as part of God's plan. And then the child is born and the child is named. And that's how what we have here. We have one of these birth narratives, and we have these narratives, and they're supposed to—they're there for a reason. We're supposed to be reminded of the other things. We're supposed to make those connections. We're supposed to look at this passage and go, "That feels like what happened to Sarah and Abraham. That feels like what happened to Rebecca and Rachel and Hannah and Elizabeth in the New Testament." We're supposed to make those connections and say. This is important, these things come round and round it's another cycle, it's another time you look at it and you go, oh, I feel like I've seen this before and when you do that, pay attention, pay attention to what's going on this time we're seeing Samson, Samson is described in a phrase we hear what he's going to be like before he's born, something to live up to there, right, I mean there are not many people who get promises made about them about how they're going to live their lives and what they're going to do before they're born He said he'll be a Nazarite, he'll be dedicated to God, that he'll begin to deliver the people of Israel. And when he's born as a baby, it says he grew and the Lord blessed him and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. That's a pretty big thing, right? You've got this promise that's been made, this baby that's born and is being blessed by the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. And it sounds great. It sounds like things are going to go in a good direction. But there's one problem. The problem is Samson. He's just like the rest of us. He is flawed and he has problems. And so this promise that we've got, these things, it it doesn't happen. He's supposed to be a Nazarite dedicated to God. He's made vows about how he's going to live his life. And he breaks them over and over again. And we don't recognize that when we, we read Samson's story because We don't understand what those vows are, but when he eats the honey, remember the story, he kills a lion, then he eats some honey, right? That would have broken his vows. He's not allowed to do that. But he doesn't seem to care. He doesn't seem to place any value on this dedication to God. It's not dedication, it's just not. He takes a foreign wife and then a lover. He is violent and he is foolish. He's like us. He's a sinner. He makes lots of mistakes. He did, in some ways, provide a level of salvation to the people. He got back at the Philistines. He killed some of them. He, in his death, he brought down some of the, 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 the building on some of the, the leaders of the people. So he did give some level of salvation, but it wasn't a lot. He was fallen. He was flawed, and ultimately, he failed as the deliverer of the people. That is where he is. That is what happens. Samson isn't what we need. But when you look at this, I hope you see the connections. I hope you look at this and go, some of this sounds a bit like Jesus, right? I hope you do because that's part of the point. That's why we get these narratives over and over again, these birth narratives. We're supposed to see the links. We're supposed to go, ah, a woman gets a visitation, gets told about a child that's going to be born, that's going to be a deliverer of their people. This sounds familiar, right? It's Christmas. We've got to recognize this. He's supposed to see the links that are there. We see it in verse 5. If you read verse 5 and just cut it down a little bit, it says, You'll give birth to a son. He'll be set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel. That sounds like Jesus. That sounds like a link there. And Jesus fulfills these things. We see this in part in Samson, but he is flawed and he is fails and he's foolish and he's like us. And so we're supposed to look at that and go, but Jesus is different. Whatever we see in Samson, there are some things we see more in Jesus. So Samson, he begins, he takes a lead in delivering Israel, but it doesn't work out that well. But Jesus, he offers complete salvation. He does it fully and completely. Samson is flawed. He is driven by fleshly passions, by the violence, by the lust. But Jesus, he's perfect. He's driven by a zeal for God. They both have the spirit of the Lord, but for Samson, it doesn't seem to make much of an impact on him. He still behaves in the sinful way that is described. He gives in to his desires. Jesus has the spirit of the Lord. Received at baptism where God says, this is my beloved son, with him. I'm well pleased. And he goes into the desert and he resists temptation. He doesn't give in where the rest of us do, where the rest of us fail. He has the spirit of the Lord and it truly, truly shows. And ultimately Samson dies and provides some level of salvation for his people. But Jesus dies And provides full salvation for any who turn to him and believe. Samson, when he dies, it says he's doing it. He wants revenge on the people who've hurt him. Well, Jesus, he dies for the sake of the people who hurt him. Jesus is the true and perfect figure that Samson prefigures in a minor and tiny way. We're supposed to look at him and go oh for such a brilliant saviour that is not like samson that's what it says look at samson go he was supposed to be the saviour we need someone that is better than this and that is what we see in jesus we see a true saviour he doesn't have those flaws and problems that we see throughout the old testament and the leaders that are there because the leaders that are there are like us and we're all sinners and we all fail and we all make mistakes and we couldn't do the things that God wanted us to do. We couldn't do that. It's not possible. So, when we see the judge's cycle in our society today of people spiraling away from God, a society that rejects Him and moves further and further away into deeper and deeper sin, what we need is not a Samson. Samson doesn't bring the salvation. He's fallen, he's flawed, he's failed. We need someone better. We need a true saviour, someone who deals with the problems that we have, that can bring us back up that spiral, taking steps closer and closer to God. We need Jesus. And we need to turn to him. We need to make a choice, because there's always that choice. You can always go down the spiral or you can go up the spiral. That's what we can do. We can take a step further away from God or we can take a step closer to God. You're never static in a Christian life. You're either moving closer to God or you're moving further away. And that happens day by day, choice by choice, step by step, as you make decisions, as you choose to follow Christ or you choose not to. These are the choices we have. This is a decision we need to make in a day by day way. And it'll look different for all of us. We're going to have different things that we need to do, different things, choices we have to make. But the choice is ultimately, do we follow Jesus and move ourselves closer to God? Or do we not follow Jesus and move ourselves further away? And as you, if you move, decide to move further away, that can begin a spiral downwards. It's hard to get out of that. But if you decide to take a step closer to God, then your understanding will increase. God's spirit will be in you. And that step further and further close to God keeps moving you up. It becomes easier to keep moving up. And you may not feel that way because what will happen is you'll become more aware of your sin. But other people will see it in you as you move that step further and further up. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of all these things we see in the Old Testament, of all these people that come before him who show us The flawed and fallen ways that we have and make us look and say, we need a better saviour than this. We can't do it ourselves. Look what happens when we try and do it ourselves. It doesn't work. We need to rely on someone else. And so as we see things come back around and around and the cycle that we're in day by day and week by week and month by month and year by year, we need to decide which way we want to walk. Do we want to walk that upward spiral with God, with Christ, for that promise that we have of future with him in heaven? Or do we not want that? Do we want to hit that downward spiral where we move further and further away, where we don't see the truth, where we don't have those things of God? I really hope you want to take an upward spiral. I really do. It's a great place to be. But it's a choice we need to make. And it's not just one choice. It's a choice we make day after day, week after week. Month after month, year after year, it keeps going. It's not short and easy. If anyone's ever told you the Christian life is easy, I'm sorry, they lied to you. That's not the way it works. But it does work one choice at a time. One choice to follow God, to not follow God. That's the choice we have to make. The choice is always Jesus or not Jesus. Let's choose Jesus. This time of year, we remember him coming. We remember the beginning of the Christmas story. That story didn't end in a stable. It carried on to a cross. And it's still not ended now, because he will return. This is Advent. God will come back. And when he does, I hope we'll be there with him, not against him. That we'll have taken steps to him, not away from him. And we can rejoice in his coming. Amen.